Welcome to Time Out with Troy on 101.9 FM. Hello and welcome to Time Out with Troy. I am your host, Troy Langstaff, and joined with joining me this week is none other than Mr. John Spot. And John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Love being in Kingston. John, did you know that on this day in 1974, North Carolina beat Marquette in the NCAA National Championship Final? Uh, I gotta say, I didn't know that, but was there anyone significant on North Carolina's team? I'm not sure, but another important note about that is that championship by North Carolina ended UCLA's seven-year reign as national champs. I'm going to guess that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on one of those I'm thinking the same thing, John. So, John, earlier this week, and for those listening, earlier this week I got to sit down with Assistant Queen's Professor in the School of Kinesiology and Health Studies, Dr. Courtney Cito, and her and I chatted about the events that took place last week regarding the uh, inequalities at the men's and and women's uh, March Madness tournaments. Yes. So we chatted a lot about that. It was a really good interview. She had lots of good insights on the topic. Mm -hmm. So I highly encourage you to really pay attention to that. Um, After the interview, you and I, John, will be talking about the return of the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League. We will be talking about March Madness, the men's and women's tournaments. And then if we have some time, maybe the Toronto Raptors drama. Drama, big drama. So that being said, take a listen and enjoy the interview. Now I'd like to welcome to the show Assistant Professor in the School of Kinesiology and Health Studies here at Queen's University, Dr. Courtney Cito. Courtney, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. All right. So you and I were here today to talk about the events that took place uh, last week surrounding the men's and women's NCAA March Madness basketball tournaments. And just to quickly recap, on Thursday of last week, Oregon forward Sedona Prince posted a video on TikTok where she was comparing the gym amenities provided for the men's and women's sides. So the women's sides were provided with what seemed like a couple yoga mats and some dumbbells, whereas the men were provided with what looked like an entire CrossFit gym. The NCAA quickly responded with an apology, and then I think a day or two later, the women's gyms in San Antonio were heavily upgraded. So that being said, my first question for you, you know, being someone who's done lots of research into athlete activism and intersectional justice, uh, what were your first reactions after seeing the video? Um, laughter is probably the first reaction. Just it's it's just kind of par for the course. Unfortunately, we just um, we come to expect it. We certainly hope for a lot better, but you just kind of roll your eyes and be like, well, it's just another day at the office, unfortunately, in the world of women's sports in particular. Yeah, that's awful to, you know, that that's your first thought that comes to mind. And, you know, in the video that Sedona Prince posted, she mentioned that the NCAA said that it wasn't a money problem and it wasn't a space issue either. But, you know, after watching the video, that clearly doesn't seem like that was the case. So why do you think the NCAA, you know, with months and months of planning going into these tournaments, how could they have let that happen? I think that the only reasonable thing we can come away with is that the the women's basketball tournament is an afterthought compared to 
men's March Madness. I mean, we see this across the board with respect to the social media accounts, the way the court is branded. Um, the women's tournament does not have March Madness on their basketball courts. Um, the swag bags that the women receive do not say March Madness. They don't even say 2021, I don't think, on most of the things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not really a good excuse to have because one thing you could say is, well, we genuinely thought that the the weight of the rack of weights was good enough, which is a problem in and of itself. Yeah. Um, you could say we knew it wasn't good enough, but we also didn't think to do anything about it, which is also unacceptable. You could say um, we just didn't think the women would notice <laughs> or that even if they did notice, they weren't going to complain. And if they did complain, probably there would be no traction behind it. People would be like, oh, whatever. It's the women's tournament. Who's watching these folks? So whatever way you cut an excuse, um, it all points to the fact that they're just not thinking about women's basketball as part of the basketball tournament, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a, a whole problem. Those are lots of uh, good points that you brought up and, you know, just poor excuses in general. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the point about the swag bags as well, because I forgot to mention that. And there was pictures brought up of the differences in, in food options as well, which was a whole nother issue. Um, so in regards to, you know, all those issues, the food, the swag bags and the gyms, from what you've seen in your research and your experience looking into these types of things, how common is this type of stuff? And, and you know, how much of it don't we see posted on social media? Um, annoyingly common. And I would say with the advent of social media, that's probably one of the better outlets um, and developments for women's sports is because now other people can see what women experience. So um, with the Women's World Cup a few years ago, we saw the the horrible turf conditions that the women had to play on. Like the turf wasn't matching up. It was artificial. Um, It's just nowhere in comparison to what the men have. Um, The Professional Women's Hockey Players Association has made very clear some of the playing conditions that they had both in the CWHL and um, early years of the NWHL where they wouldn't have bathrooms (laughs) to, to have access to in the rink and they would have to use garbage cans to urinate. Um, like these are just things that women athletes have accepted um, because they want to play their sport, because they they love it, uh, because they want to excel. And there's really no other option. You either don't play or you just accept the conditions. And I think this is the problem is that we have spent a lot of time focusing on opportunities for girls and women, which is great. You need to have those opportunities to play. But I think a lot of folks who were in positions of power, who are in positions of power, assume that the opportunity is the end game. That as long as women can play basketball, they can play hockey, that that's good enough. Um, but the the flip side of that coin and kind of the long-term work is the conditions once you're actually in the system. Once you're a laborer, um, once you're a participant, what is your experience like? And that's where we're seeing these huge discrepancies between men's and women's sports. So it's not in the opportunity. Um, it is um, the actual experience itself. Yeah. And I think that's also, it's important that you brought up the whole mindset idea of it, that we just, or that women just don't want to play. We want to, you know, it, it's not enough to just play, I think is what I'm trying to say here. Um, back to the, the tournament last week, I was watching when I was doing, you know, looking into it, watching different clips of people responding and their thoughts on it. I came across a video of the show called The Jump. It's a basketball show on ESPN, I think. And one of the hosts, Richard Jefferson, which is a, he's a former NBA player, 
was talking about how people need to start realizing that this is the NCAA. This isn't the first time they've done something like this. They don't, they say they seem to not care about their students. It's all about the paycheck and how much money they can bring in and how they're profiting off these students and not really giving back to these student athletes. So in your opinion, do you think this is how this is going to change how people look at the NCAA? Uh, the cynic in me says no. It's that we're going to raise our hands in in um, anger now, and then and then it kind of fades, and then um, we just kind of move on to another discussion, because the the discussion around the conditions of play for student athletes slash employees of these universities is a very long discussion. Whether it's about um, compensating them for their labor um, or you know, making them play in a pandemic and taking them out of school and, um, you know, putting them at risk in ways that we wouldn't put uh, regular students uh, in in that same kind of harm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's absolutely right that it is uh, capitalist exploitation that we're talking about with, with the NCAA. And that's why a lot of these things happen. Um, but I think the NCAA tends to also hide behind um, Title IX legislation, which in the 1970s came in to say that you couldn't treat the women athletes different um, than the men, uh, in particular with training facilities and practice times and things like that. Um, and yet we still see, you know, the men's football team, they have like, I think one of the new football stadiums has like a flight simulator that they have added in it and they have like, uh, like their personal pools and things. Um, so yeah, the amount of money floating around is definitely a problem, but the problem is that it doesn't get distributed even remotely equitably across athletics, um, or even into the rest of the university, which I think you would have non-student athletes being very happy to support the football and basketball teams. If that money came back to them in different ways that it enhanced their learning opportunity as well. Yeah, I think that's a that's something that a lot of people sort of know about, but don't really focus on too much because it's not something that sort of comes to the like to social media very often, so people don't really see it. So now, in in terms of the video that Sedona Prince uh, posted, how troubling is it to think that we wouldn't know about it if someone didn't take the time to record it and upload it? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what we are coming to realize around police brutality as well. It's like, okay, we have these videos, but who are we not seeing? Um, so again, this is one of the benefits of social media and everybody having a camera phone. But um, it also points to the fact that, you know, why don't we believe people when they tell us certain things too? Like, why do we have exactly. to visually see it for it to, to kind of move us? But I think perhaps the, the larger issue is that we... We know these things are happening. I think we generally do have some certain understanding that it's it's not the greatest situation and they could they could be better. But how do you go up against a juggernaut like the NCAA, right? It's such a huge organization. Um, how do we actually make change uh, against uh, such an institutional power? I think that's where people kind of fall off because they just feel um, powerless um, in the face of uh, basically one of the biggest corporations that there is. Yeah, that also brings it back to the point you made earlier about, you know, this this sort of coming up and then it's just going to fade away because, you know, what are we to do against this great big organization? Other than sort of giving the athletes um, in response to what the NCAA did, other than giving the athletes the better resources and, you know, sort of a weak apology statement, what else in your opinion should have been done by the NCAA, if anything? 
Well, technically, I don't think that they actually gave them the better resources. I think Dick Sporting Goods came in and donated a lot of the gym equipment and things like that. And we saw some of the local gyms saying, here, you can come use our facilities, mm-hmm. which is not the NCAA at all trying yeah. to make amends for their mistake. Um, I've seen calls for Mark Emmert's job, for him to step down as um, commissioner of the NCAA, which I think is probably a reasonable call. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the problem in in sports and very large industries in general is that uh, you get a slap on the wrist or, or you fail upwards. Um, so where's the accountability? If people do a bad job, like if I was to do that in, in one of my classes and just forgot to teach half of them or something like that, that would have consequences. So why don't we have consequences for folks who are in charge of such large organizations? It's kind of like it's too big to fail. Like that's the, the dynamic we're seeing. Yeah, that is, you know, that is the question. Going back, I guess, a couple of weeks now on International Women's Day, we saw a lot of sports organizations highlighting the growth of women in sport over the last few years. So taking a look forward, whether it be, you know, two months or two years or whatever the case is, what does gender equality in sports look like to you? Um, It looks like women at all tables all the time. Um, So when we have diversity panels now, it tends to be like, well, it's like four men and we add a woman and that's the diversity panel. Um, So... I think we have to not think about women as diversity pawns to be moving around the table. It's like genuine collaborators and contributors to to the sporting landscape. Um, so up and down the entire um, chain of athletics. So whether it's athletic directors and coaches and athletic trainers and physiotherapists, like all of those support positions need to include um, gender equity as well. Um, and then we have to ask which women are included. So are these all white women that are holding these positions of power or are we including uh, BIPOC women as um, in the fold too while we're developing um, a new lens on gender equality? So um Basically, to, the hope is to have the sports landscape look like the, the community that surrounds it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think just to add on to your last point there, I think one something that's really important is for people to stop questioning why women are there. Instead of the first thought being, oh, they're just there because they're a woman, just I need, I feel like it's important for, for that point just to go right over people's heads and see, oh, they're, they're just, they're a coach. That's why they're there. They deserve to be there. Um, also looking forward to the future. Well, I guess last week, I know I saw a lot of people posting on their Instagram story about the the video that Sedona Prince posted. And, you know, we're all in, a, in agreement that it's disgusting what happened. Um, other than just doing that, what's something that people can do to spread the word about the women's game and to get more involved in women's athletics? Good question. I mean, I think it's showing up with your feet. So when you're allowed to go to athletics games, that you're going to your university games, you're going to local women's club sports. Um, We're very good at supporting women's teams at the international level. So when it's Canada, USA, and all of those kinds of events, we're great at that. Um, We're not good when they're in our own backyard and the tickets are like $15, $20 and you're watching the exact same players. So supporting those folks, supporting the WNBA when, when it's on TV, um, media folks need to cover it just like they would any other sport. So including it in the ticker, including it in your, um, score updates and things like that, then it just helps normalize that women's sports is around. And I think, unfortunately, a big part of it is that a lot of folks don't know that there are women's sports teams in their own backyard. They just don't, 
um, see the visibility, there's no marketing. So if we can have even campus radio stations, you know, doing those score updates, then people are like, oh, what's this team? What's this league? Um, let me go look into it. So that goes a long way. I think another step into normalizing it too about on social media and having, um, I guess, organizations like TSN and ESPN and Sports Center sort of posting about it. They need to, I think, post it on their own accounts. I know there's an ESPN women's account. I think that's great. That's awesome. But, you know, wh- why need, why have that if you can just post it on the regular ESPN account? Because then I think that's a good way to sort of normalize it. So, um, you know, that, that's all the questions that I have for you. Thank you so much for, for coming here and sharing your thoughts and, you know, sort of spreading your knowledge on the topic. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me, Troy. I just quickly want to thank Courtney once again for taking the time to talk about such an important issue. I think this is something that, especially at uh, this level, the collegiate level in the States, can't happen. Pretty unacceptable. Uh, They clearly and heavily dropped the ball on something that seems so easy to avoid, that being the providing these amenities for a tournament that you had months and months to plan for. But anyways. Yeah, I don't know why. Just quickly, just about that. Um, go nuts it's it is it is absurd that you know I, I the NCAA is such a it's it's an organization that has had so many problems throughout the years and it's still obviously it still does and they they don't really have uh, I don't know if they have many people supporting them at this point but to like mess up that badly and like I mean, it, it goes to show the level of respect that the women's teams get compared to the men's. But uh, at the same time, it's like in social media with like how things circulate now, it's like, how can you mess up that badly? And you you treat people like that still. And uh, yeah, it's it is it is it's it's shocking and really disgusting the way that that turned out. And I know. And the the fact that the response wasn't even like they were just like, oh, yeah, I guess we messed up. And it was just like, yeah, I guess you can get free delivery now or something. It was just like, <laughs> like, screw you. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Like, actually do something about it. But yeah. I know I, that like that's one of the things that Corny mentioned in the interview was right. about the reaction and you know, the NCAA, like, almost thinking, oh, like, what if people react to this? We'll just do this. Yeah. And they didn't really seem to care about it, it seemed like. But anyways. Yeah. Um, Moving into the news on the return of the National Women's Hockey League. Very exciting. Mm. So the Isabel Cup playoffs, John, previously scheduled for uh, February. There was a lot of COVID cases, so they had to cancel the end of the playoffs. And they literally only had three games left. They had the semifinal games and the, the Isabel Cup championship game. Right. But because of COVID cases, they had to cancel it. So it is returning tomorrow night, John. The Isabel Cup playoffs are getting back underway, I guess, with the semifinal games going tomorrow night in Brighton, Massachusetts, a different location than they had the playoffs in Lake Placid. Mm. All three games are going to be on NBCSN, live on Twitch, and NBCSports.com. So the game's going tomorrow, John. At 5 p.m. Eastern time, the number one seed, Toronto Six, and their inaugural season yes, with the number one seed facing off against the Boston Pride. And then at 8 p.m. or around there, depending on if the first game goes to extra time, will be the number two seed, Minnesota Whitecaps, versus the number three, Connecticut Whale. And then the finals going on Saturday at 7 p.m. 
Is it just whale full stop? It's just whale full stop. <laughs> okay. I have so much respect for that. Okay. Honestly, I really love the logos in the league. They're some of the, the, the nicest logos and cleanest jerseys that I've seen. Connecticut. And here goes John to pick <laughs> it up. Connecticut. Um, also, oh, also of importance, um, mm-hmm. these telecasts of the of these semifinal and final games is going to be the mark the first women's professional hockey league championship games to air on a major national network. That's good in the states. In the states. In the states. Okay. Yeah. No. So, that's that's. I good. mean, big steps. Big Very steps. big steps. Yeah. They. I mean, they should be like. I mean, honestly, I don't know how we don't have more televised games in Canada for the women's. I, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe we, maybe we do. Uh, but uh, they don't really advertise it very well because at least with the w, WNBA, like you see, it's advertised pretty decently well for yeah that league. Like I, we, you see stuff about it quite often. But yeah, I'm just thinking like in Canada, especially like you'd think that would be you'd see more about it, but. Um, Sorry, it's a good point that you bring up actually about the viewership because over the course of the 15 games that were played in the NWHL this season at Lake Placid, like I said, there was a total of over 1.62 million live views and a total of 14.2 million minutes watched. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I tuned in for a couple of Toronto Six games and... Like they're super fun to watch because also going back to the interview with Courtney, she was mentioning that in these women's leagues, these yeah. are players that are playing the on the Olympic national teams. Like these are yeah. good athletes. These games right. are fast paced. They're exciting. Yeah, the women's hockey. So I mean, like the problem with the women's hockey in the Olympics is that the Canadian team is it's basically just like the dream team every year. I mean, they've they've I'm I if Canada I, and USA, Canada and USA. Yes, sorry, uh, specifically, yeah. Uh, they're basically the dream team every year, so it's like they just kind of run through their competition. But I mean, that'd be pretty fun. Like, it would be more fun to watch those, uh, you know, those two talented teams kind of mixed together and in a full league. And so, you know, maybe that's just my own ignorance, and maybe I, uh, I'll check it out a little bit more. No, I highly encourage you to do so. Actually, I'm definitely going to sit down and watch. Hopefully, all three of those games or catch a piece of them. Um, but anyways, my last point on the NWHL, the games on Twitch are very exciting because it's like, I'm sure you've been on Twitch. It's, it's more so like a gamers a gaming, up. a gaming streaming site, but there's like, there's chats and you can connect with other fans and it's really fun actually to be a, yeah. a part of it. No, I, I as close as you're going to get to being in person. And I think more games, like more leagues should go to a platform like Twitch, like MLB has kind of been doing like Facebook live and stuff like that. I've never really cared for that. I think Twitch is a far, far superior, uh, like platform. If you want to, yeah. yeah. If you want to get like younger people interested in stuff, like I would, exactly. I, I would check out a game on Twitch for most leagues, like just, just cause why not? And, uh, I guess it's more so just trying to censor things, but it's smart for this for the NWHL to do that. Uh, moving on to uh, March Madness, John. We'll start with the men's tournament, and this is crazy. Did you make a bracket? We'll start off. Start with that. Did um, you make a bracket, John? Sure, I, I did make a bracket, and out of the fifty people I'm in a in a thing with, can you guess where I'm at? Fiftieth, forty ninth. 
I'm, I'm still in it though because I have Gonzaga winning. I'm sure half of the country took Gonzaga to win it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not breaking like I'm not breaking news with that pick. You know, no. And uh, hey, no, I wish you all the best with the the rest of the games, though. Yeah, I, I, I've trust me, I, uh, I messed up a lot, but I also with p- picking a bracket, I kind of just like go random mode where it's like I know there's gonna be upsets, but I don't know what teams are gonna do the upset. It's just so so. Random. That's why it's so hard. <laughs> it, I mean, that's the point of doing a bracket is because it's so difficult. But yeah, yeah. Um, of the 14.7 million brackets that were entered into ESPN, only 108 of them were perfect after day one. Uh, that's got to be some kind of record. Um, day two, though, to complete uh, round one, all of those 108 brackets were broken after number 13 seed Ohio beat the defending champion Virginia. Yeah, you know what? I had Virginia, I think, going pretty far. Not pretty far, but further than what they got, obviously. But we'll see how it pans out. These games are very exciting to watch. I tend to be more into the tournament when I have, you know, a bracket that's somewhat successful. Mm. But now I don't really care, and I just want to see the lower seeds win. Yeah, yeah, I don't... um, I'm, I'm mostly in it just to see the younger players like going into the nba like uh, uh i watched the oklahoma state game or i forget what oklahoma it is that kate cuttingham's on anyways yeah i was and so i i check it out for those purposes mostly right on and uh sp- <laughs> speaking of of younger players uh Paige beckers of the yukon huskies on the women's side as well as caitlin clark for the Iowa Hawkeyes, both freshmen in their first appearances at the national tournament, playing lights out, John, I'll tell you. Oh, Paige boy. Beckers of the Huskies had 24 points in UConn's opening round win, the Wet. most ever by a Huskies player in an NCAA debut. Oof, that's good. It is very good. And Clayton, <laughs> and sorry, Caitlin Clark yep. led the nation in scoring, was second in assists for Iowa. Mm. And she's also been playing really well for the Hawkeyes. I believe they're a fifth seed, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then UConn's the number one seed. They're dominating. Um, and also, John, some, some hometown success here from Kingston. <gasps> Canadian Aaliyah Edwards scored 19 points to help the Huskies beat the eighth-seeded Syracuse on Tuesday to advance to the se- Sweet 16 Oof. as well. Pride of Kingston. Let's go. Yeah. I actually first heard of Aaliyah. I think it was last semester or maybe in third year, there was some some students in my program that did a documentary on her, actually. One last point on the women's tournament <laughs> before we sort of close things out here because we're already up to time. Okay. Um, the the uh, higher seeds in the women's tournament dominated in round one. There were zero, upset, zero upsets on day one of that tournament and only three upsets on... Monday, which was the second day of round one. Oh. But it's sort of starting to, to even out, and now you'll probably see more upsets because the better teams, right. of course, are, are, are getting through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be tighter competition. I'll say, yeah. uh, going back to the randomness of uh, this year in March Madness for the men's side, sorry. I think it was kind of to be expected just because of the like 
less amount of fans in the building and they're kind of doing this bubble scenario where um, I know they usually, I know they do it in different places normally, but uh, still like having that less amount of fans, I think it's just easier for these other teams to kind of just play with no pressure and, you know, you don't have to deal with these, these big schools with that, with these huge fan bases going yeah. to these games. So anyways, that's uh that's kind of just my point about, with, you know, with these upsets for the, the men's side. No, it's definitely something to think about. I agree. It would certainly have an impact if you don't have, you know, thousands of yeah of Gonzaga fans screaming in your face yeah, when you're 16 seed and already think you don't have a chance of winning. Right. And of course, we like we know and it's well documented how crazy these fans are for these local universities and stuff in the States. And because uh, a lot of the time it's kind of like the CFL here when it's all you got in your in your state you're going to get behind it completely. So, yeah. Well, you know, John, that being said, that's going to do it. We ran out of time. I'm sorry. We couldn't talk about the Tampa Bay Raptors and all the things that are going on there, but we'll see what happens uh, moving forward with the rest of the men's and women's March madness tournaments. I think there's another couple days before the sweet 16 gets underway for the men's tournament. The women's second round, I believe just finished up yesterday, but we'll see what happens. John, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Troy, thanks for having me again. Uh, I, uh, I love being on, and uh, hopefully I'll be back soon. I hope so as well. Take care, everyone.